You're listening to the Bitching and Volusing Podcast with Courtney and Brittany. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Bitching and Bolusing podcast. I'm Brittany. And I'm Courtney. Today, we have another amazing guest, Greg from Adapted Design. Greg is a father of a disabled child and a registered architect who uses his design background to design and fabricate adapted design solutions to help with therapy, learning, and play. Nearly a year ago, Greg created Adapted Design to share his creations on Instagram. However, the account has since evolved to also provide adapting tutorials, park reviews for accessibility and inclusion, and creating memes as a way to bring humor and understanding to this complex medical experience we are all navigating. Greg's here to chat with us about his goals for Adapted Design and what his journey has been like thus far. Thank you so much, Greg, for taking some time to chat with us today. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. I figured since there might be listeners out there that don't follow Adapted Design, and since your Instagram account really does um, focus strictly on accessibility and parks and adapting items and such like that, I thought maybe we could start with you giving us a little bit more backstory about how you kind of ended up where you are now. Yeah, I I started out... um... You know, learning about switches through my daughter's uh, therapy and uh, we started out with one switch and I was frustrated because we um, were only offered one switch and I wanted a second switch so as soon as I went online to find out how much the same switch was going to cost I got really upset because it was $75 and so um, with a lot of things you know frustration is sort of the catalyst for innovation so I figured out how to make switches bought a 3D printer, um, started taking apart things, and uh, kind of that's where some of those initial creations came from, just me sort of figuring out how to make a switch and seeing how I could make them for a lot less than $75, and um, started to share that with people because I thought maybe, you know, other people would like to um, not spend $75 on a a silly little (laughs) switch. Um, Because, you know, at that point, my, my daughter was starting to use both hands to do switches and so I thought it you know I don't want to limit her you know with her therapies and so whatever she needs I would I would get for her but there had to be a better way than just buying $75 switches just to have therapy. You actually just bring up a really good point that shock of when you start looking into what adapted yes. adapted items look like and and how expensive they are and I'm sure you probably have even other revelations about um, adaptive equipment and toys. But I know for me, that was mind blowing. The first time I went to like Rehab Mart or one of those websites that has like all these adaptive toys. Because when we first started looking, we had gotten some switches from therapy and like early intervention. So we had a bunch of variation of switches, but now I needed to plug them into things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I had all the switches and I was like, okay, awesome. Like, let's, let's use these. But I mean, some of them are insane. I was looking at one the other day uh, because my, my son Lino loves music. So I was like, okay, I got to get this kid some like music instruments or something where he can really engage better with it. And they had one kit, I think it was on rehab more. It was like $800. $800. Oh my gosh. And they're they're like kids toys. 
Yeah. We're not talking about like a real like Fender guitar or anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like kids toys. And they're like, yeah, $800 for this lot of fake drums and a fake guitar. And like, I'm like, are you serious right now? What What were some of the other things that you were just like, what the heck? The, um, the toys were, were a big thing because we had like the one from the therapist and I was like, well, I want to have her try out things that do different songs or different lights and and to be able to um, have options meant you know spending hundreds of dollars on yeah. on these toys that actually cost thirty dollars originally so yeah that pissed me off so I started opening up toys and figuring out how to adapt these things I never th- planned on selling these for profit or anything like that it was always like I felt like there was gatekeepers mm-hmm. hiding adapting mm-hmm. making it sound like it was difficult but with my tutorials, I just want to show people that it's not difficult, and you could do it if yourself. And if you're a person who likes to tinker, you could make a, a business just doing this um, for people because there's there's definitely a need. And I really hope people aren't spending $800 on something that never should have been that much in the first place because it's at the end of the day, it's a cord mm. and some solder. Yeah. And so I I hope that my tutorials are giving people you know empowerment to adapt or feel like they could or just know that they shouldn't pay exorbitant prices for something that's very simple and i i hope with some of the giveaways i've done and and other things that um just putting toys in people's hands that 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 don't have uh you know a whole range of toys like there are are people that still only have kind of one switch adapted toy because of cost yeah you know things like that are are upsetting i think there should be lots of um, access to these things and you know, price shouldn't be the thing that keeps people from having those opportunities. I think too, it it does so much for the kids, but it also does so much for the parents too, right? Because Greg, I actually am a customer. <laughs> um, and Greg had switch adapted a knitting machine for Cyrus. And when I was pregnant with Cyrus, like I've been knitting since, oh gosh, I don't even know. I was like 12, maybe my Nana taught me. And, and so it was always kind of my dream to like, pass that on to my kids type of thing or at least like do it with them and then Cyrus was born and then there was kind of like the realization of like well like he's never really going to be able to do the two hand knitting type of thing and so I found the machine and it was always kind of like how do I adapt this to him because this seems doable (laughs) but like I don't know (laughs) and so I reached out to Greg and Greg was like yep I can try it and Greg, I think it was like within two days you sent me the video that <laughs> it was working and I like, I literally <laughs> cried. <laughs> I was like, I, I can do this now with my son. Um, and it just opened up like this whole world of like, I can now share what I love to do. And, and it's not a toy. You know, I know like we're talking a lot about toys, but Greg also switch adapts other things for like functional use, like a knitting machine. And so Cyrus made his first hat. Aww. <laughs> and he's very excited to make more. And pretty much <laughs> everyone's getting hats for Christmas, just so you know. <laughs> um, but... I think that it, it, it's so good for the kids because it adds this level of inclusion and accessibility t- for them. But also, like, I know I see a lot during the holidays especially, and, you know, Greg, Courtney, I don't know if you see it too, but a lot of people post online 
or we'll talk maybe behind the scenes about how affected they get around the holidays knowing Mm. that their kids can't necessarily play with toys that are made for their age range and I think, you know, I I think that there's something to be said about, like, we can't force our children into, like, this idea of what we had for them if they weren't disabled. And, like, if your kid's happy with a toy that's made for an infant, then let them be happy. Like, Cyrus's favorite toy is a little suction cup toy that he just spins around in circles. Oh, my God, yeah. I'm like, love it. (laughs) Like, it's the (laughs) best thing. But I think it opens up this world for parents to not have to feel such weight that comes with knowing that your child can't play with toys the way that they might be able to within their age range and to give them the chance to have certain toys that are maybe more suitable for their age that are then switch adapted it's a big deal like it's a very big deal and and it it lifts like this I don't know gray cloud off of parents I feel and to be able to give your kid a toy that maybe they're seeing their peers play with and now they get to play with because it's adapted for them is a huge deal so it's like not just for the kids but it's for the parents too and i i love i love the uh um the the knitting machine is because it gives independence to create something um yes. you know there's not just a novelty to it it's actually creating something and this could be something that they continue to do for the rest of their life like that this could be their thing knitting or creating friendship bracelets or or whatnot so this this i, I really love these um not non-toy adaptations yeah. because they're yeah. giving autonomy to make something to do something that is, is special to actually be able to create something that is physical yeah it's a big deal it's a it very is. big deal it's so appropriate for anybody right like i mean i used to love handmade gifts for people during the holidays and as an adult I still do <laughs> like, I'm, still like, I'm not spending money but I'll make you something <laughs> and those are the best kids, gifts though <laughs> they are the best gifts right and kids I think kids really love doing that and we've always tried to foster that with Cyrus right like hand over hand painting and like I remember one year we kind of put like these beaded necklaces in a big bin and like let him kind of just mess him around and paint and we're like oh he painted these necklaces for people but you're so right to give them that autonomy to create something that's purely their own because Cyrus does it all by himself and he picks out the colors he like I give him some options I was like do you want this color yarn do you want green do you want red and he like picks out the color and then he'll like knit a certain amount of rows and then he'll stop and he'll look at me and I was like do you want to switch colors And he'll pick out another color. And so he's making these striped hats all by himself. And, like, the amount of pride he had after that first hat. Like, I'm going to, like, well up talking about it. But he was so proud of himself that he got to do this all by himself. And, I mean, there's, like, I still have to help him a little bit with, like, you know, taking it off of the machine and putting it on. But it's, it's three steps that I help him with and the rest is all by himself. And I, I also love the fact that adapting um, items, not just toys, anything, um, opens up the range of what these kids can explore and figure out what they like. Because that's always been another part of this whole element for for me especially is when I do want something adapted for Lino, I'm so limited. And I'm like, 
I don't even know if he'll like that. And it's like you're going to dish out all this money for something that your kid might have no interest in whatsoever. And this kind of opens that door to be like, okay, well, anything can pretty much be adapted. That mindset, it really does change how you think about what you can allow your child to engage with. And and I also think you bringing up the holidays was another another thing that I um, I love with opening it up to that a family member could just go to a store and be like, oh, let's say we're talking about Lino. Oh, this this electric piano, This I think Lino would like this. Mm-hmm. They could just get it and adapt it. It doesn't have to be mm-hmm. like, oh, well, it's not adapted. So yeah. he can't have it. This freedom of what you're trying to do, Greg, with adapted designs, really, it frees families and it frees these kids and, and all disabled people for that matter. Your designs are not just meant to be tailored for children. It's meant to create independence for any disabled person. And I I just think this is the kind of change we need to see. This is something that needs to happen because there is this gatekeeper element that's really incredibly frustrating and so annoying. Like when I first found out how cheap it is to do this, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I don't understand. It's it's so yeah. wild, but I, I just love that it, it opens the door for so many things, you know? I mean, how many times prior to you getting that knitting machine were you ever truly thinking, oh, one day Cyrus will be able to knit prior no, to realizing, you know, like like yeah. just that, that, that simple thought that, oh my God, I, my son can do this and I can do it with him. It, that's That's amazing. That really yeah. is. Yeah, and Greg, you don't just adapt like toys and switches and stuff like that. You also make a lot of functional pieces through 3D printing and and things like that. I kind of was like stalking your Instagram a little bit and I saw, I think you were tagged in it, like you had post, you had made um, a piece that goes onto a splashy chair for uh, like a shower head, right? So you do things like that as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So I have kind of pivoted a little bit um, away from switches and, and voice um, buttons and things um, to right now only producing sort of functional items like the suction uh, pump clip for the tip is super popular. That made me so frustrated. This silly tip that has nowhere to go. So you're either putting it into something, you know, gross little pocket or it's falling mm-hmm. on the floor. And this little clip has been a game changer for for us. We put it on like the stroller, we put it on the cart, um, and you know people are sharing how they're using them. And it's a silly little thing that's been 3D printed, but it's a game changer in terms of just, like not having a conniption about the tip falling on the floor again. Um, yeah. Things with like the feeding pump. You know, I made a clip. You can clip the, the thing onto uh, a backpack strap when it's not in use, so it's not falling on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's there's silly little things like you never would think about, but these the equipment is designed so poorly. Yeah. And so little adaptations like a clip can be um, very helpful, just like the, um, the shower handle holder. You know, that we have the same issue, and actually it was a great idea because um, that thing's always falling off yeah. and, and hitting the tub or, yes. or um, oh my turning, God. turning upside down. Everything. Yeah. And then yeah. the startle yeah. reflex comes it's in. So and bad. Yeah, it's a whole thing, right? <laughs> yeah, what I like about some of these uh, more functional creations is I, I think I would be doing them anyway. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. I, I was kind of realizing that it's not really novel that I'm creating things to you know solve, solve problems, but they are 
problems that I would be solving anyway, regardless of what it what it was. And so it's nothing unique to the situation. I I would always be trying to like take stuff apart. But I think the difference is I'm I feel um, sharing this helps other people more than I think other things would. And so that's that's kind of why I'm enjoying using my platform to show people that things could be better or things could be easier just by a few adjustments. Just makes it more functional. Yeah. And life too, right? <laughs> and yeah, and I would take I will take anything that will make my life even just an inkling easier. So those little things like you're talking about something as simple as just a clip to hold something on a on a machine that we use daily. I know that might sound so minimal to some people who don't live this life, but it's actually huge. It's it huge. really is huge. And I do. I love the fact that, you know, you're saying you would be doing this no matter what. So it's really just a great, it's so great to be able to share that. And also to get probably, I'm also thinking maybe some ideas from other people, like being like, oh, could you make something that does this? And you're like, oh, yeah, I, totally. That's a great idea. You know, I, th- I think that's such a wonderful thing. What are some of the other, I guess, hopes you have for adapted design? You know, that uh, how you're just saying your journey has shifted already a little bit just from kind of switches and stuff to more uh, functional items. And where do you hope to go with all of this? The shift, I think, has kind of come around my, my daughter's health. It's It's been kind of declining uh, over the past year. And so a lot of the things that I was initially making for her, she's not able to use right now. So you know, generating a lot of these things for her to test is kind of hard because she's not able to, to test them. So my focus has kind of moved more to the community and creating things for other people, being a resource for people. You mentioned people bringing ideas to me. I, I love when people bring ideas to me or um, commissions because it, it gets my mind going and uh, I, I'm so motivated to solve these these problems. That's why my turnaround was so quick with the knitting machine because it's like it was a great idea, and I just wanted to get it out <laughs> and have have you making things you know as soon as possible. And so I think my focus now is really to try to help other people and and just see if there's ways that I can be a resource and uh, use what I've learned to teach other people how to do this, or or just to give people some inspiration to you know, find items that could be adapted that could change their lives. It definitely improves quality of life so much for anyone who's using it. Um, Mm. And it's funny because, like, you did the knitting machine, and now I'm, like, thinking of other things Cyrus loves to do, right? And I'm like, he loves to bake. What can we adapt for him? And little things like that because... I know we've said it a couple times already, but it's not just toys. It's just yeah. giving them the independence to, to learn what they love to do and whether that's you've made the the bead machine and the knitting machine and whether it's like baking or music or just because there's still people, there's still kids, there's still adults, they still have interests and it's really hard to figure that out and what their interests are when they can't easily access the things that would help them develop yeah. that interest. And especially like, you know, like Lino and Cyrus, they're non-speaking, so they can't just be like, I want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough because we can't just like be dropping all this money to really figure out what they like to do. Like, it's like the $800. It, it's a small fortune. <laughs> it's a small fortune if you want to try to do that. And then they never want to do it again. And you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. 
you know. But I, I, I've been following you, Greg, for pretty much, I feel like, almost the start of your account. I feel like I was one of the early followers. But but your your account has really become something it really is something special and I love what you've done to it because you have you know, it did start where it was more um kind of straightforward what you're with your like adapting things, but now it's really evolved to something that is very community oriented and it's such a fun place like I love seeing your memes memes. (laughs) yeah like you know but it's such a fun little mix of your perspective and I just love that that it's become this place to be also a support on top of these other things What, what are some of the biggest challenges you've experienced Prior to having a public account, what were some of the challenges you kind of felt at, as a dad, just kind of going through this this muck of a life sometimes when you got to get through all the red tape of all the BS and super expensive adapted things, you know, what were some of the things that you're kind of hoping to be more supportive for other parents now? Yeah, so my daughter was born like right before the start of the pandemic. So our entire, her entire life has been uh, stuck in this bubble. And um, because of her co- medical complications, we've kind of stayed in this bubble. And so we're, we're super isolated from other families. We don't, we don't have very much family nearby, so there isn't very much of a village. And, you know, there's no community outside of the home because we've been stuck inside for yeah. almost four years. So the account is also kind of a way, um, you know, just kind of, be part of a community you know we, we can't find in the physical space and you know unfortunately we still haven't found that um, even though we're almost four years into this so it's been wonderful I think the interesting thing is that the memes kind of came as a sort of a cathartic exercise because I was getting so frustrated with with things and I needed an outlet to be creative and the memes actually created the most conversation um, on adaptive design people uh, you know reaching out saying it's hilarious or that I, I feel you and, and these have created some connections with people that I, I don't think other things that I've done had the same impact like people are tired and frustrated and yeah. and uh, the system is very stacked against you and feeding pumps are stupid and, and like these <laughs> yes. these things can unite people you know regardless of uh, where you are in, in the world and I, I um, I've enjoyed being able to create those conversations just over like people's frustrations over uh, over silly things and um, like I said it's, it's been cathartic for me to just go through you know how to lampoon the insurance companies and, and just poke fun at them and and, um, and just vent generally um, there's still no necessarily a community that I, I hope that we could have someday but the online community has been great because we've just sort of coalesced around these venting sessions through memes so I that's been a fun addition to the account, just a great community. Yeah, it's yeah. tricky because I feel like probably Brittany and I are exactly the same in the sense that we have created some really strong bonds online. Um, Brittany and I, <laughs> we're an <laughs> online bond. Um, yes, we've met in person, but... We first met online. Yes. Yeah, and, and we, yeah, and we are a few states away. And I think we go through the same challenge, though. I do feel I have somewhat of a support now, especially uh, Brittany is really like, she's my 
crutch for sure. But, you know, there's still this physical in-person element that, that's missing. There's no real community in the sense that like, oh, hey, let's just take our kids and go here today. Or, hey, like, I need to come over, have a glass of wine and cry. You know, <laughs> I can't do any of those things. Uh, and and I definitely relate to that because it's, it's so hard when you are still extraordinarily isolated in the real world. There is some some community and some exposure to to connect online 100%, but you're still, you know, stuck at home most of the time, you know, and that is one of the hardest parts about this. No matter how much we fight, we still feel like we're so secluded and so isolated from everything. And again, I had this recent experience, not that it's a new experience, but I... I took my little one, who's almost two, I took him to our, our local park while Lino is at school. And all I could think about was just how if Lino was with us, we wouldn't even be here. Because yeah. there's nothing for Lino to do at our closest park. And that that's the type of thing that stops you from having community. Like when I was there with just Luca, I was talking to other mothers. But it's also really hard to fully relate to these other mothers because they're not seeing it from the lens of uh, a mother who has another child who is often not included you know so you it's like you you might you might find sometimes where you can relate a little bit or kind of socialize or get into it but you're still always forever isolated so i think i think Brittany would probably agree that she feels very similar from that perspective yeah i mean even i think finding a community within the community is really challenging because I think that there's such a spectrum of like how people see disability how they see their child's disability right and it's I mean we like we're exposed to a lot of other families through therapies um and I have I still four and a half years in have not really made any like deep in-person connections, despite all of the people that I've met in person. And so I think that that's a huge challenge because I think particularly like all three of us are kind of on the same level of like how we see things. (laughs) And I feel like that's kind of the minority (laughs) within the community. Um, So it's, it's, yeah, it's so challenging because there's so much that can make it really difficult to just find someone that you can really vibe with. Um, and so it's kind of like the, the beauty of social media, right, is like you can find someone across states that you're like, yes, I, I agree with your viewpoints on the whole parenting a child with disabilities situation, but it's still challenging. I mean, it's tough. I mean, Courtney, it took us, we've, we've always had a sort of connection, but, you know, it wasn't really until, you know, what, a few years ago that we, like, really, really started having yeah. a connection. So, I mean, it was the first, like, two years of just trudging through it all alone. And I yeah. think people don't really realize that. And, like, hey, bless the ones that have a big community and, like, <laughs> you know, like, good for them. <laughs> But it's not the reality for everyone, especially when you're isolating. It's so hard. Especially when you're a man. Do you find that, Greg? Like as a father, mm. it's even more difficult to, to find connections in person. I, I know my husband struggles with it a lot. <laughs> so I don't know if it's similar to you. Yeah, I, I, 
it's um, it's interesting because like the the audience for adaptive design is trends very female. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, that's and, the online way. Apparently. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you know, in, in clinic, you know, there isn't. Uh, too much visibility of uh, fathers uh, doing this stuff, and I, I, I think that you know, with my wife and I, we have the exact same role with taking care of our daughter. Mm. There was no discontinuity in care if someone's away or someone's unable to do it, and um, and I, I feel like there certainly are dads out there that are doing that, but there are mm. still many that aren't even uh, aware of, you know, what the, the doctors are, or even what the, the condition is. And, and I think if, you know, adapting is the thing that helps them access, you know, some way to, to help with therapy or something, if there's something that, you know, another dad could teach a dad that can help them access, you know, uh, a way to care for their kid or, um, you know, to give them some sort of experience. I, I mean, hopefully that's something that I'm also able to do um, yeah. as, as a father. But I, I try to, to tailor my, you know, comments or my memes to be um, not father specific and not father of a child specific. It's it's really this this greater community of people that are all ages and all different levels of um, complexity, and so I, hopefully it reaches people regardless of whether or not they're a father or a, a mother, but just that they're a human who's caring for someone or or in a tougher situation. I do think it's very unfair how, like, there are so many dads out there that do, you know, the same level of care as moms. Yeah. And there's just such a lack of community, I feel like, for dads. And there's a even bigger lack of representation, I feel like, on social media, especially. And I don't know, maybe it's like not to be gender specific or anything like that, but maybe women just need to share that a little bit more to heal from trauma. But I think that it does leave like, oh, this huge empty space for dads. I know that there's some accounts, right? There's like the hope for HIE. I think there's like a father. Uh, yeah, they have a for- dad specific. Yeah. But I, like Kyle, I think is in it and he's like, oh, it's kind of quiet. <laughs> It's you know, very quiet. And, Stefano's yeah. in it as well. It's incredibly <laughs> quiet. There's just crickets it's, all day. <laughs> yeah, but I think that there's still, like, as a mom, I can't speak from a dad's perspective, but as a mom, having, like, you know what, there's, like, four, uh, no, I'm sorry, there's, like, six of us, maybe seven of us that, like, are really kind of, we're in a little group together, and, like, we all text each other, and, and having that just to be like, hey, I'm having a really shitty day helps. And there's just like there's it's not there for dads and it's so tough because I just don't think that there's any representation for fathers. The ones that care to a level the same as the moms, we need to like really boost those guys up because I talk about it all the time how like I could just leave the house for a month (laughs) and the kids would be fine. And like that's I feel like the only representation I hear from about dads is like oh you know my big blubbering husband that doesn't do anything and it's like no it's not just that and so that's always made me really upset I think you're I think we're always fighting that old-fashioned stereotype too it's always just lingering like the family dynamic should never be so divided that a wife and a husband are completely doing 
completely different things and not equally sharing the load. I'm sorry, but I don't know if that'll cause a ripple in society, but it's true. It shouldn't be like that. And I think there is so many men now in this more modern era that are taking on more. And I, I, I think Brittany's right. There's just a lack of exposure to that still. You're you're sitting here, Greg, with us, and you're saying like there there's really been no difference between you and your wife, and that's actually the function of many many households. But yeah. it's still like sort of hidden and not talked about, or it's like oh well, my dad didn't do that, or my husband doesn't do that, and it's like what are we doing here? And and I think I think you do an amazing job though with your account because you don't try to isolate it either way. Your your content really is very. If you are in this life of just kind of dealing with insurance and all the BS of all the, you know, feeding pumps, all of that, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman on the other side or how how you even reference yourself, you're going to relate with that. And I think that's a great, it's a great way to approach social media these days because sometimes it is too targeted and it, it isolates us even more within the community, which we all know we don't need any more isolation. That's for damn sure so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's I, say, I say kudos you, to you craig <laughs> thank you it's yes yeah, it's interesting you mentioned like um you know the content is uh so specific it's like as a father in this community all the memes that i i see but generated by other people are just about moms mm-hmm. yeah like i i can't i can't really i can't really reshare that because i'm yeah. not a mom or mm-hmm. it's it's super specific or it's only tar- tailored in a language that person who's female would would identify with it and um even even just that like if sharing a meme that's cathartic is a way for a father to to have some sort of voice or to express some sort of feeling they're not really out there because every single meme is talking about a mother's perspective and i so hopefully you know i don't necessarily have too many dads reposting stuff but if there are dads out there i mean I, I hope that the the neutral language and in, in the things that I I post um, give you the ability to feel like you can vent about something, and I and creators I, I it'd be great to be more neutral with your language because you know it's it's um, a wide spectrum of people that are taking care of people and um, you know just tailing it to moms or mm-hmm. uh, is is very limiting you know yeah. especially if we're trying to get dads to be more open about how they're feeling and, and express their, their thoughts about, you know, the whole experience. Now, I have a question, and this is just me. You you like, you like said you like when people come up to you with ideas, and I, I feel like... <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just sitting, I'm just going to sit back and wait for Bear you. Bear with me. <laughs> I feel that, you know, you bring up a good point where men tend to tinker, right? Whether it's a coping mechanism, whether it's doing things that help men bond with their children more. I I think adapting things is a way to really help men especially bond with their kids, right? Because there's the whole thing like, you know, there's like dads bond with their kids by like teaching them how to play catch and stuff like that. And so, you know, moms bond with their kids in a different way. And when that that piece is missing for dads, it can be tough. And mm-hmm. so I think like teaching fathers especially how to tinker and adapt and do things like that, like it's a great way to help dads bond. And so here's my <laughs> question. 
Would you ever consider, because I know like specifically my husband would really enjoy doing something like this, but would you ever consider hosting almost like a virtual workshop live where other dads can register and like join you where you can teach them live how to like either do 3D printing or um, switch adapting or anything like that because my husband has never switch adapted, but he's 3D printed a couple things. Like he 3D printed um, like a joystick for Cyrus's electric wheelchair. And just to kind of like, I don't want to like specifically say it's for dads, but to bring that community together of dads to help them learn how to do things that could open up further bonding with their children just like sitting here with you I feel like that would be a great opportunity for everybody because you're very easy to talk to (laughs) and you're very knowledgeable with all of these things it's a great idea I've I've considered it before I I think part of my hang-up is that I'm pretty private you know no one's really ever seen my my face on adaptive design um you know my my daughter isn't on social media and um so i think it's been interesting sort of not not really hiding behind the account but just kind of being a being anonymous mm. being an anonymous resource to help people yeah. that which is interesting because people have you know put their trust in me and i think without seeing my face and i I'd love to be able to help more people. And um, I, I think it's just balancing how exposed I, I am and, and yeah. things like that and not showing too much of my life um, until I'm you know more comfortable if that ever happens. Um, but I, I love the idea of um, having a more uh, one-to-one kind of demonstration of things um, to uh, just, again, another way of making it more accessible to people. Because you, you know, you're, you're right, because the cliche is like the the dad will go into the garage to um, get away from things and um, mm-hmm. you know putter and maybe has frustrations that like well I, I won't be able to make this treehouse because they won't be able to, to um, enjoy mm-hmm. it but mm-hmm. if you just shifted one degree to one direction you could be adapting a toy and that could be your gateway into being part of your child's life and playing with it with your kids like that's kind of a big thing I I find that I tend to be the researcher in the relationship where like you know I'll research the switch adapted toys and like the same thing with the knitting machine and stuff like that And, and I think that because I'm the one putting that work in I then tend to be the one that bonds with Cyrus over it right like I'm the one that's playing with him and things like that maybe because my husband doesn't necessarily like pick out which toys you know type of thing and so I think that that's kind of it would just be so good because it would allow fathers specifically to pick out something that isn't switch adapted and to say like hey let's let's make this work right and I think that it gives them a little bit more incentive to want to use these types of equipments with their children I think everybody needs an outlet and this could potentially be like a huge outlet, you know, for for anyone to to bond. I know we're specifically talking about men, but I'm the tinkerer in my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I am the one taking apart everything. It is what I do. So for me, I know specifically my husband, that wouldn't be his outlet, <laughs> but it would be awesome for me. I'd be on that live <laughs> and that's the, and like if you had questions, you could ask questions, or even if it is a one-on-one type of thing. Because I, I'm kind of a tinkerer too. Like 
not so much with Cyrus's stuff, but like before Cyrus was born, I was always like specifically Halloween decorations, like tinkering and taking things apart and like whatever. But there are a lot of things like, I don't know, I need a little extra help. <laughs> so if it were <laughs> if it were a one-on-one, I could be like, am I doing something wrong? And it takes off that pressure because my anxiety, guys, <laughs> like I need the helping hand to guide me through these things. Because then I start sweating and I'm like, if I mess this up, <laughs> like, um, it would be a great resource for everybody involved because I think we need that. And I think there is a huge amount of gatekeeping going on. I know that there's, I think, one other place that does tutorials on how to do it, but it's hard to find because I know Courtney and our group, people have said like, oh, where's the place that you can go like years ago for uh, the tutorials and, and just to like not have it so hidden and closed off and yeah. It's not necessarily a unique idea that it's never been done before, but the more people that are doing it, I think is super helpful. And, you know, with, with the holidays coming up, I'm totally on board if you decide to do any sort yeah, of me too. I mean, you have, you do have tutorials, to be fair. There are tutorials on your actual Instagram. They're just not like a live or like a, um, a, a spoken sort of tutorial. Like you're kind of showing, showing it. But um, do you have anything planned with like the holidays coming up or are you getting lots of requests for things yet pretty open slate right now i would be happy to take anyone's uh you know commission for uh adapting challenge and, and i think foremost for me is like i am not trying to make money off of any of these endeavors yeah. like this is just a, p- a passion of mine to to make it super easy for people to get adapted things um the tutorials like like you said it, it's I'm not the first person to ever do a switch adapting tutorial, but um, I'm trying to make it as accessible as possible, not yeah. hiding it behind a you know a link or something. But it, it's right there. You just yeah. can watch it. Exactly. Um, yeah. You don't have to go to a website or anything. Like it always felt so hidden, you know, when I was trying to, yeah. to learn about it myself. And so this is just me trying to um, break that gatekeeping aspect of something so simple, but also so impactful. So yeah, if if there's anything that people are interested in um, switch adapting, I'd be happy to, to look into it. And I, I will not try to make any money off of it. It's, it's really just a, for me to be able to see someone uh, open up something that they never thought that they could do, like knitting, knitting a hat or, or, a, or a scarf. I just love seeing that. Ah, I love it so much. And just the, the fact that you don't just focus on toys is such a huge yeah. deal for me. That's so big because I know that there are places out there that do a lot of focus specifically on toys and I remember like once I tried to look into seeing if I could have like a a stand mixer almost adapted for Cyrus because he loves baking and the only thing I could find was you plug it into the wall and then like it turns on and off like the actual plug turns on and it was like four (laughs) hundred dollars and I was like I can't this for like you know I I bake with him maybe once every other month like this is insane and so just to know that you're here to say like hey this is a little bit more functional it's not necessarily just a toy and that you're willing to take on those challenges instead of just saying well buy a $400 plug switch (laughs) Um, (laughs) it's a big deal for families out there so we thank you very much for doing all of this for these kids and these families because 
There's we need more Gregs in the world. <laughs> yes, we Thank do. You. Before we kind of end today's episode, I just wanted to touch on one more thing with you, Greg. The whole um, inclusive playground and accessibility yeah. vibe you got going on. See, uh, I know like you've been going, I'm guessing, local parks that you've been kind of going to and then raiding them. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. I, so because we've been so isolated, we don't really get to parks very often. And because of uh, my daughter's disability, there's very little at a conventional park that she can participate in. And so we really didn't seek out parks specifically for her play. We really just go for walks and things. Yeah. But, um, you know, she's at a size and an age where there might be some things that she could do. And the, the catalyst for the reviews was we saw this article for a nearby park that was the new inclusive park for this town. And so we were like, let's go check it out. And we got there, and the first thing... The parking lot didn't have any striped accessibility parking. Oh my god! Bad so, start. <laughs> so the bad start. It. Then there wasn't even a curb cut from the parking lot surface to the, the walk path. Oh my god! Face palm. What the heck? So the wheelchair couldn't. We had to like you know do the whole tippy thing Pop with, a the, with the wheelchair. Yeah. Pop a wheelie. <laughs> the path was like. Um, old asphalt that had like lots of roots and things and so it wasn't a great walk once we got to the playground it was the smallest little postage stamp of an access or inclusive playground and oh my God. the closest thing they had was like one of those saucer things but saucer things aren't great for someone who has like low tone because they're just laying on yeah. the saucer yeah. and uh, I don't think they even had one of those inclusive swings but those are usually way bigger than she mm. is so mm-hmm. you'd have to have another chair to like pad it and exactly that, I think. yeah and a lot of them don't have the harness across the front so we got there and like this is a waste of our time no, there's nothing she can use and it's not even an accessible way to get to this this park and so that kind of um frustration again created this opportunity to, to sort of evaluate these parks that call themselves inclusive mm. and and show people that like if you really have limitations these aren't inclusive mm, in any yeah. way mm-hmm. but we have gone to a couple of parks um deliberately and have said they're inclusive and they have been and they're amazing and i think um it's it's interesting you know we have a few data points and it's certain cities that are excelling some cities are doing terrible and i think it's it's really down to you know the, the leaders in these towns really making an effort to be inclusive and to be accessible and it's it's unfortunate when we go to these places that I have a lot a lot of one star parks that I've reviewed, and um, some are inclusive, or supposed to be inclusive, mm. and they're not. Yeah, mm-hmm. you bring up a really great point that I think the majority of the general public definitely don't consider is that when when it, a park is said to have been inclusive, even if it has an inclusive element in the park meaning there is an inclusive uh, playground ride or so yeah like a swing like even if it has that one thing to get into the park is also part of the inclusion part (laughs) you know and I think a lot of people do forget that and I do think that's just wild the first park you're talking about that really there was no actual way to even get in the park so fail immediately right there Mm. ours is like that our local one there's just no way to to get the wheelchair in and they only have two 
um, adapted swings and somebody came through and cut off all of the like safety harness for the swings. Oh, and, hooray. And I've emailed, like I've emailed <laughs> the like whoever, I don't know, parks and rec person and like they never responded and the swings are still busted. So yeah, that's one more hurdle that we have to face as parents. And I hate the idea that there are cities or towns or local governments that are like, oh, but it is inclusive just yeah. because there's one damn swing. And wood chips. Yeah. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here with this bullshit. Yeah. But they use it as this ploy. Yeah. And, and that's even more frustrating because it's like we're fighting and fighting and fighting. And they're like, oh, but this park is inclusive. And it's like, well, that's bullshit because your version of inclusion is not inclusion. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's just like um, accessibility with you know the ADA. It, it's a bare minimum that they're meeting. Yeah, one swing, uh, you know, it, it's it's not really inclusive. Even one swing is not inclusive because you know we've been to parks where there's one swing, and there are kids that aren't necessarily targeted for that use, and they're yeah. using it or mm-hmm. they're misusing it, and you can't use it. Yeah. So it it becomes a a thing that isn't inclusive because it's it's not available to you, and there's not enough options that are also inclusive you know they get so much praise for doing something that's inclusive mm-hmm. and you know the newspapers pick it up and, and that's the reason why we even went to this park in the first place is because it was getting so much positive press that it was inclusive and you know if you look at google uh, reviews for parks every park is like 4.4 stars but mm-hmm. who is that <laughs> for and yeah um, exactly you know, there's certainly are 4.4 stars that got one star on my on my you know yeah. rating system because yeah. they might be an excellent park for uh, you know, half the population, but the other half, it's really not ac- in- inclusive or accessible at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a facade. I can't stand it. And the the one swing really drives me crazy, not to really uh, drill this to the ground. But kids navigate to that swing naturally because it's yeah. like the one a thing different... that pops out. Yes. Yeah. And that's what even hurts me more because I end up at these parks. Our, the local park I was just talking about, that's our closest park. It's so super close. It's like around the block from us. They, it has the one swing, right? And every time we go there there's always kids just like they're taking turns going on it and the thing is is i i start getting angry with the parents but then i start kind of pivoting and i'm just angry in general that it's just the one swing because that's the whole point of inclusion is that it should be for all kids right that's the whole point so it's i'm not mad that these kids want to go on the swing i'm actually more mad that it's just the one fucking swing yeah. <laughs> have more than one so that everybody can be on them. I just the parks thing <sighs> they need to consult parents and disabled adults. Like yes. there's just not enough consultation going on. They just see some ADA guidelines and they're like check 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 and then it's like, "Oh, let's throw a shit ton of wood chips down and not have ramps and like from that perspective, I don't even think just consultation is part of the problem. Why do we not have any disabled people on these committees or working for for these parks and recs? Like what what the hell is going on because they, yeah. I really think you know, this marketing ploy, because that's all it is, is a marketing ploy that they they get to call these parks inclusive because it's such bullshit. And it leaves our kids out. But it also, the way they design them doesn't always just leave our kids out. It just separates these kids. It makes it so that, well, this part's only you. 
and this part's yeah. only me. So now you have disabled kids on one one section and able-bodied kids on the other. And what are you really doing for inclusion? Because that to me is segregation. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the best park is the one that you can't even tell that it's inclusive, but it actually is. Exactly. That's mm-hmm. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's the point that so many people don't grasp. You shouldn't look at it and think, oh, well, that's for Lino or that's for Cyrus or, you know, like it shouldn't be like that. It should yeah. just be a park. As, yeah. as an architect, I, you know, I'm designing things all the time for for the public and the best solution. You know, I'm, I'm always advocating for accessibility in, in my work. And it's hard because there's always pushback because it's, it's the, the easiest thing to disagree with because it's oh it's going to be ugly or it's it's taking away from something else but <sighs> the best way to include you know something that's successful is to do it covertly like people don't even realize mm, yeah. that like a really great like um cane detection bar underneath stairs if it's done really well it's, it's beautiful but if you say oh I, I have to put this yeah. stupid thing underneath the stairs because someone could walk and hit their head like you're you're coming at it the wrong way and and so there's there's tons of ways to make something accessible and inclusive just by um, making it covert and not making it so obvious that it's a medical thing mm-hmm. or that it's specifically for someone and everyone can enjoy it. You know, these there's installations that I've seen people go to where there's lots of projections and lights. Like, these are awesome uh, installations, but it's awesome for everybody, but it's also awesome for someone who has CVI. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I think that's the beauty of design is that you can, nurture that creativity i think some people try to almost stunt it by being like mm-hmm. oh well no it's you know make it's, it, it's uh, ugly like, yeah but it, you, it's like it you can make it obvious but it doesn't yes but it doesn't and and that's that's part of design is trying to figure it out or create something that looks good but is functional mm. <laughs> that's the whole point mm. i don't know why you're in why you're in that field if you don't want to do that yeah well i really thank you so much greg for your perspective and chatting with us today i'm super excited for everyone to hear this episode and do not forget that you can totally reach out to Adapted Design on Instagram if you want to commission anything for uh, a loved one in your life or if you yourself are disabled and you need a hookup, you've got Greg. <laughs> we'll link you below, Greg, so anyone can find you and reach out to you and commission to you commission you for the holidays especially. Um, and let's get some toys and functional products in the hands of families and disabled adults and these kids. And let's just make everybody's lives so much richer. <laughs> Great, yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Greg. And thank you, everyone, for tuning into the Bitching and Bolusing podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Bitching and Bolusing podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe for future episodes. Previous episodes can be heard on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. If you like what we said, please be sure to give us a share. You can follow us on Instagram at Bitching and Bolusing. And you can visit us at www.bitchingandbolusing.com.